0: here we go with a new episode of the marvelists welcome everyone to the marvelous presents taking a shot a hawkeye podcast i'm peter melnick and eddie wilson is on assignment in latveria he's there to present a special present from the marvelists to dr doom but what Eddie doesn't know is that before the present was wrapped up, I included a little note that says Dr. Doom is a big old duty head. A little bit of friendly humor from the Marvelous because I'm sure it'll go over very well and nothing will happen to Eddie in Latveria. Well, you know. Anyway, before we get into the usual rigmarole of today's episode and talking about the first two episodes of Hawkeye on Disney Plus, the award-winning Disney Plus We want to tell you all at home how you can get a hold of us on them, thar, social medias. First, I've gone on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at The Marvelists. You can find us individually on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram, at Peter Melnick. I'm using it on and off again, the Facebook one, Peter Melnick Podcaster. So it's Facebook.com slash Peter Melnick Podcaster. You can also find me on TikTok, God knows why, at Peter Melnick, but better. And you can also find Eddie Wilson on social media. Two platforms. I'm going to do the first one. It is Facebook. Look for the guy with the sunglasses. Send him a friend request. Tell him the Marvelist said hello, even though it's him. And that didn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, also find him on Instagram at Eddie9193. You can also listen to us on a wide variety of streaming platforms. TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, you name it, we're there. Or Yamo be there. That joke never gets old. Just like the ice cream machine one, which I'm about to beat in it as a dead horse in a moment. Go on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, share. Five star if you're ever so inclined. And remember, just like the ice cream machine at McDonald's and just like I mentioned before with the dead horse, the five stars is the only way that works. Four stars doesn't work. It's like the ice cream machines at McDonald's. Ba-da-da-da-da. A dead joke. Anyway, you can also find us on... Let's see. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button and click the bell to know when new videos are uploaded. We're going to be doing a lot more stuff in the very near future with that. You can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash themarvelists. And for as little as $3 a month to as much as... Anyway, for as little or as little as that and as much as that... You get early access to episodes in the $3 tier. $5 gets you two bonus shows. You Haven't Read That and Fantastic Voyage. You Haven't Read That is a series where Eddie Wilson reads comic books he's never read before. So you can listen to his thoughts on series like Watchmen, The Walking Dead, and The Dark Knight Returns in the month of December. We're going to be doing Micronauts. That is a curated pick by frequent guest of this show, Rob Liefeld. And it's going to be a discussion of the series. We might have a special guest co-host for that one, a special guest, whatever. But that episode, you're going to want to check out. So sign up for the $5 tier or up and go from there. And Fantastic Voyage is a series where we talk about all 102 issues, plus annuals, plus crossovers, plus tie-ins, what have you, of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's legendary, iconic, and even fantastic Run of the Fantastic Four. Also go to belowTheCollar.com slash the Marvelous and get our Dad Joke Immune t-shirt because God knowing and God willing, if you've made it this far, you are in fact dad joke immune. Pretend Eddie joined me in on that. He didn't just now, but pretend he did. It's magic, isn't it? Whoa, oh, oh, even. So a lot of you are probably thinking, oh, it's another Disney Plus show. Peter's probably going to hate this. Well, you are wrong, uh, fiddle shits. No, in fact, as of right now, this is on the way to possibly becoming my new favorite of the Disney Plus series, surpassing WandaVision, which all these months and months later, I still cannot get over. However, this show, again, we're getting pretty damn close. And right off the bat or the bow even. Ha ha ha. This is one of those shows where I did not think that they would start you know implementing elements of the Matt Fraction David Aha run. But they did. And there's certain things. Right off the bat we see this one shot of Hawkeye falling off of a building in New York City pulling his bow back, getting ready, or whatever the term is for igniting the bow, pulling the the cord back, or the whatever. I don't know. I'm not an archer. So archers out there, hold back on your strongly worded tweets, I assure you. I don't know where I'm going with this. But like I was saying, beyond surprised that they implemented a frame or they implemented a shot from the original Matt Fraction David Aha run. And I'm referring to the shot of him falling down and pulling back. And you'll recognize that shot from the very first issue of the 2012 Hawkeye run. And, you know, with the line of, and I'm going to pull it up on my handy dandy iPad, because I, again, when this series was announced, I was thinking to myself, man, I'm probably going to be wanting to reread this run of Hawkeye. And guess what? I was right. I'm actually currently on issue number 4 of the series through my reread and again just can't get enough of this. But like I said, first page where of Hawkeye number 1 from 2012, okay, this looks bad. As he's falling out of a crashing he's crashing out of a window glass all over around him. And the shot is pretty much almost identical to it. You don't have the broken glass or anything, but you do have Hawk Guy. And I'm going to be calling him that a lot in this episode. Not to be cute, but it's already kind of implemented in my brain that he's Hawk Guy. And Kate Bishop is Lady Hawk Guy. So there you have it. But it's kind of like Stiltman and Lady Stilt Man, Because that just doesn't make sense to do it any other way. But... I love the utilization, and there's a lot of discourse on the internet right now pertaining to this series. If you look at the credits, Matt Fraction is listed as a creative consultant, whereas David Aha is just getting a special thanks. And there's a lot of criticism about this. It's kind of getting to be like the whole situation that the Falcon and the Winter Soldier had pertaining to Ed Brubaker. A lot of discourse and arguments on the internet pertaining to who should be the one getting more credit for this david aha is responsible for oh so much of this look of the show a lot of the hip very slick look to it is responsible from that run and i am inclined to agree david aha should get a lot more credit as a matter of fact when you see the opening credits ...of the show, and the end credits, I believe, of episode two, all the animation, it's done in the style of David Aha's art. Right down to the, you know, the subdued color palettes of Matt Hollingsworth, and the, you know, the very, you know, almost Alex Tothian kind of uh, line work, but it's in the style of David Aha. And I gotta give a big shout out to Perception, in regards to emulating that style and creating those uh, opening and end credits a phenomenal job and we have an interview coming up very soon with the guys from Perception and we think you're going to enjoy that, but I digress. That's an episode for another day. But with this, what got me really excited though, was that acknowledgement, although some people out there, he should be getting a creative consultant credit for this because again, the man is responsible for almost the entire look of the show. But, We'll we'll let that be dealt with by the lawyers, by the bigwigs at Disney and Marvel, and David Aja's people. So that's a topic for another day and a topic for another venue. Then, you know, we have other elements. Like I said, this series is heavily, heavily inspired by the Matt Fraction run to the point where characters that were introduced in the series are either retooled or completely utilized from their original format. For example, the character of Lucky the Pizza Dog. Lucky the Pizza Dog maintains who he is in this series. And by the way, just a little aside, do not feed your dog's pizza because of all almost everything on a slice of pizza is terrible for your dog. The garlic, the sauce, all that stuff is bad for a dog's digestion. Digestive system, so yeah, you know he's a good he he's the he's the goodest boy. But don't don't copy Lucky doggos out there listening to the show. I don't know how you're listening to this, but must be a rough time you're having because dogs go rough. You see, yeah. Anyway, in regards to Lucky the pizza dog. I'm honestly hoping it won't happen, but I would love to like it won't happen as its own singular episode in the series, but I would love a like 10 to 20 minute Disney plus short of Lucky the Pizza Dog because you can do that. They made an entire comic telling a story from Lucky the Pizza Dog's point of view. And that's kind of a cool idea. There's a lot of fun elements of what makes the character of Lucky the Pizza Dog such a fun and likable character. I'm not a dog person, but I but I do like Lucky. So it's all good in the, the wolf hood. <laughs> that didn't even make sense. But with the other characters in the show, again, when I mentioned earlier reinventions of some of these characters one of the characters in particular that gets a reinvention is grills and there's a whole plot in episode 2 involving hawkeye getting his ronin armor costume back and it turns out there is a person who stole the costume and used it for larping which what a idea a concept to see utilized in this show that i did not expect but LARPing, and if you're you're not aware of what uh, LARPing is, it's live-action role-playing, where you can pretend to be a knight, or a this, or a that. So I'm wondering how they managed to let a ninja involved into the world of LARPing, if it's supposed to be medieval, you know, swords and sorcery and all that other good stuff. But they got a ninja, why not? Who, you know, I'm I'm not gonna be, you know, the guy taxing them or anything, I don't care, but the character of grills and if you've read the matt fraction david aha run grills is a completely different character and grills is actually the one who creates the name hawk guy where there's this panel between hawkeye and grills on the roof of a building talking to each other and he says i know you're hawk guy it's fine and he goes hawk I? no, no y- yeah hawk guy i said you're hawk guy no hawk eye hawk guy and it's basically a, you know, who's on first kind of bit, but uh, uh, Grills is a completely different character. He's this, in the comics, he's this tall, doughy guy, you know, with glasses, and he's literally called Grills because he grills. He grills hamburgers and hot dogs and all that good stuff on the roof during their communal potlucks in the apartment complex that, you know, the Hawkeye lives in. And... It's very interesting to see them change that character because you're not going to be seeing, you know, people getting all up in arms about a change like that. That's perfectly fine. But one of the things is in the comics, Grills, spoilers, Grills dies. And I'm kind of inclined to think that this version of Grills in the MCU, the LARPer, is going to get killed because. You have certain lines coming from him, like, this is the best... i like paraphrasing, but this is the best day of my life. You know, with everything with him, with Hawkeye. And it only can go down from there for him, evidently. So what I think is going to happen is the tracksuit Draculas, or the tracksuit Mafia, as they're called on the show, they see the video of him on Instagram. They go after him, and they kill him. And that's going to be, you know, one of the casualties... In the massive web of destruction, uh, self-inflicted destruction that Hawkeye has created around him. And I'm very curious to see where we go from with that. Because this is, he was way too prevalent of a character in this one episode alone to not see him come back. He will be back in another episode. Now, you heard me mention earlier the tracksuit Draculas, or the tracksuit Mafia, again, as they're known on the show. The guys who just use the word bro, so often they make Vince Russo's head spin. Haha! <laughs> shout out to the wrestling fans out there who are listening to this. Enjoy your day. By the way, did you know that The Rock debuted 25 years ago at the Survivor Series 1996? Bet you didn't know that. But, in regards to the character uh the characters of the tracksuit draculas or the tracksuit mafia and i'm just going to keep calling them the tracksuit draculas because i'm sorry that is a much cooler name than the tracksuit dra- or tracksuit mafia tracksuit draculas has like this just very eastern european you know kind of vibe to it and i don't know but seeing these characters they're very much they're lovable losers in the sense of you're, look, you're going to be seeing them get their patootie kicked over and over and over again throughout this series. And I, for one, cannot wait to hear you know a lot of anguished bros coming from their lips throughout this series. And again, I like these changes of these characters. I like these occasional staying the course with what the character is. And something, you know, I had seen a, a meme in regards to the scene with it was it was the meme from Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse where you see Miles Morales in his ver in the uh, Spider-Man Halloween costume looking at Spider-Man intently like what would you do? And they have two different versions. The comic version, well, I'll go with the show version. The show version is Hawkeye is represented by Peter B. Parker. Kate Bishop is represented by Miles Morales, the young, inexperienced person looking at this person that they idolize. Flip side, the comic version, Kate is much more in command and less of a screw-up than Clint is. And in the comics, it makes sense because you don't have the baggage that Clint has with a family in the show and in the movies. So being able to utilize that story to tell that story, I do think it's going to be Clint throughout the series gets more and more into a role of a lovable loser and a just a screw up and it's kind of reflected as well in the Rogers musical when you're watching him watch the musical and everyone has their scene like they they're more important than he is essentially they're not saying it but they are and he gets that and he's like one why am I even here two what is the point of me being here three you're really doing a musical about a tragedy? Come on, guys. Don't do not do that. But this is the Marvel Universe. You can get away with doing it. Whatever. But I love the idea of him sitting there and just watching himself played by someone that, you know, it's just like, yep, I'm really good at slinging arrows. And by the way, Ant-Man's here, too, even though he wasn't. But what, what are you going to do? Although it's kind of a little nod to the comics, I think, because... Avengers number one, Ant-Man was there, but in the movies, he wasn't there. Yeah. Anyway, in regards to all of that, I really appreciate the usage of the Rogers musical in the style basically where they're, you know, copying what Hamilton is, right down to the, you know, the playbill and everything, the logo of the musical. It's kind of cool to see. And this is a show where I think... They don't realize they're doing it, but it is, a, it is a very memeable show. And what I mean by that, or what I mean by that, <laughs> is the fact that you have these moments in the show which are going to become referenced throughout the internet. And one of the moments for myself that I really appreciated seeing was the shot of him using the urinal, looking down, and all of a sudden he sees Thanos was right. And it's kind of a reference to the internet belief where it's hashtag Thanos did nothing wrong, which in itself is a reference to something else that I'm not going to repeat because it's like, really, really? Uh, But whatever. But the, the meme ability immediately, I saw different versions referencing, you know, other things in pop culture, other things in the Marvel Universe, just looking down like, oh, really? It's going to be a Very popular meme, I think, within the next few months. But that's just me. Now, in regards to other things in the show, Haley Steinfeld is by far the perfect choice for Kate Bishop. And again, one, we're going to be seeing a lot of Kate Bishop cosplayers in the very near future at conventions, and that's kind of cool to see. Because we're getting these characters utilized in oh-so-many different ways. And I don't know. I like seeing a character like a Kate Bishop where 10 years ago no one knew who she was. But now we're at a point where you can throw these characters on a TV show and they're going to know instantaneously. Throw them in a video game. Little, You know, a few less, but as time goes on, they're going to be more well-known. Now, in regards to just her overall portrayal, the backstory and everything, I'm not too well-versed on the backstory of Kate Bishop. However, it is pretty damn accurate, if I remember correctly. She is a, you know, a rich girl born into a very wealthy family and all that good stuff, and I'm very surprised that a lot of as far as I can tell it is not much of a derivative of the character other than you know the uh idolization which I do believe still is in the comics it it's pretty good and I mean this is not Haley's first rodeo as a Marvel character if you recognize her voice you definitely recognize her from Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse as Spider-Gwen or Ghost Spider and by the way it's kind of cool realizing as a comic fan, I know Spider-Gwen. And there are so many new fans coming into the Marvel fandom that will only know her as Ghost Spider. It's such a weird little thing that I I appreciate knowing and seeing. But when I see that you know white hoodie with the black and baby blue and the pink, I'm going to associate it as Spider-Gwen. It's not going to be Ghost Spider. Ghost Spider is kind of a cool name but i don't, i don't know although you really can't call yourself spider gwen if you're a superhero because that's like basically revealing your name to the world hey by the way my secret identity is in my actual superhero name and that does not work cuz i mean there probably aren't that many gwendolyns or gwens in that town or that version of new york city so i mean you look in the phone book you're 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 screwed either way now in addition there are a lot of little Easter eggs in this show that I'm very appreciative of. And it is the... One one little Easter egg was the Stain Tower, which is named after Obadiah Stane from Iron Man 20, or 2008. And it's funny seeing that because it's literally naming a building honoring somebody who is a murderer, vicious, evil murderer, and they gave him a building. They honored him. Mind you, in the real world, that also happens. Terrible people get honored with buildings and monuments and this and that. But when you know in the shows and the movies, when you know in the shows and the movies what they did, you're just like, uh, really? Really, guy? Really? You're really going to name that? You sure, you know, you could call it the uh, Tony Stark Museum for people that can't read very well. Go for that. you you sure you don't want to go after you? I mean, I get it. You know, Tony does not have all of the qualifications. I mean, you know, he did save the world and everything, but yeah, name it after the bald guy who did the stuff. Yeah. Go, go for it, sport. Also, one other thing about this show that I am greatly appreciative of is the connection to the comics, the way the characters are in the books And they're making them like them in so many ways. Like, we're not getting Hawkeye in the stupid purple armor. Which, if you're a comic book fan, fine. But I am too. And the costume is kind of cornball. Like, oh, you can tell he's Hawkeye. Why? Because he's got an H on his head. Mind you, yes, he's Captain America. And the A doesn't stand for France. We know that. (laughs) Uh. But... You look at the costume, you look at all of the stuff going on with the attention to detail for the source material, seeing the Hawkeye get the hearing aid. Wow. I did not think we would be getting that. And it's one of those little details. Yeah, it's something that... It's not a big deal for a lot of people, but it's the attention to detail of... This is what he had to deal with. All of those explosions, all of those explosions, all that stuff, the chaos around him, you're going to lose your hearing. So getting a hearing aid is very helpful. And I think a subtle hint for myself down the line. But I digress. I'm also partial to seeing the overall Marvel tapestry possibly revealed throughout the show. During the auction, which, by the way, the auctioneer sounded just like Kermit the Frog. And I was waiting for him to talk about the Rainbow Connection or just go, yay! But he didn't. And I I was about to cancel my Disney Plus subscription right then and there. And you, know, you can't blame me. You can't fault me for that. But what are you going to do? Anyway, during that auction, we're seeing some of the stuff auctioned off, such as the Ronin Blade, the Ronin Costume, and... On his right was a Triceratops head. And some people are like, does this mean what I think this means? And it's very possible. The Savage Land might be making an appearance in the Marvel Universe on screen very soon. And if you're not aware of what the Savage Land is, it's the land that time forgot, basically. There's dinosaurs and people coexisting in the same world. And... It's, it's cool. We might be seeing dinosaurs in the MCU very soon, and I'm not talking about Devil Dinosaur, although that means I really got to get a copy of that book first before it skyrockets, but that's a conversation for another day and conversation just for me, but the idea of dinosaurs and stuff, that's kind of cool because it also means we might have a subtle hint that another character might be showing up very soon, and that is Kazar. This might be the subtle introduction of Kazar into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And Kazar was a character that got his start in Marvel during the pulp era. He was a pulp story character done by uh, Martin Goodman, one of his writers in the 1940s, and he just became his own thing. Kazar ended up coming into the Marvel Universe in the 1960s, you know, reintroduced then in an issue of The X Men, which I think that's X Men number nine, maybe 10. But, seeing the possibility of Kazar, I don't know how you can do it, but I'm curious because then you get Kazar. you get Zebu, the big uh, the big old tiger. We might get that. And again, I th- Kazar is a character that could be really cool to see introduced because you get Zebu. And that like Marvel loves. Marvel, and especially Disney, loves very toyetic characters. And they don't just love toyetic characters. They love toyetic characters that can get them, you know, plush dolls sold. And the fact that the uh, the little animal from Shang-Chi had, like, maybe one or two little stuffed animal toys is a shock. Like, they should be making more. And I'm—when Shang-Chi 2 happens, if they don't bring that character back, they're— definitely missing out on a very big merchandising opportunity with that but again topic for another day i mean like that's uh, that's with star wars with the porgs you may not like the last jedi but there was a lot of stuff in that movie that garnered merchandising and at the end of the day for like marvel and marvel and disney they do not care whether or not they're honoring the source material and doing this and doing that The goal at the end of the day is to sell merchandise, just like Mel Brooks says in the movie Spaceballs, yogurt. That's the point of all this. It's the point of selling as much stuff as humanly possible. For you to go to your local Target, your local Walmart, your local Five Below, comic book shop, what have you, and buy as much crap as humanly possible. That's the point of it all. Sure, telling a great story is a plus, but can that great story also give us great merchandise? That's, again, ultimately what you want. And that's why I I think I can't really tell. We Maybe we'll see, like, I could see down the line Lucky the pizza dog merchandise. And by the way, in the comics, Lucky has both of his eyes. In this, Lucky only has one eye. Lucky is missing his left eye. So he's like Lisa Left Eye Lopes of TLC. But what makes me laugh about that is they made Lucky so unique for this, you can now sell stuffed animals of Lucky, the pizza dog, a little dog plush with the pizza hanging out of his mouth, a slice of pizza. It's got to be New York style, not you know Sicilian or anything, just a little triangle flap of uh, cloth. And he's missing an eye. You have the little X where the eye is. That's how you merchandise this stuff. And again if you think they are not planning this or treating this as like a, oh crap, people are going to love this character. If you go on Marvel Unlimited, they have a Marvel Unlimited exclusive pizza dog series to read. So I, th- I think there's some stuff being planned for this. And you again, I don't blame them whatsoever. Now in regards to other things with this episode, I would be remiss if I do not talk about the introduction at the end of the episode of Echo. And Echo is Maya Lopez, and this is a character that I don't have a lot of experience about, but Echo is a deaf vigilante, and I'm assuming part of why we got the whole Hawkeye is using a hearing aid thing is going to tie in with Echo and it makes perfect sense. But the way Echo is introduced at the end of this episode, I did not realize that was Echo. Okay? And again, my experience, my knowledge of Echo is not really there, but I do I think I do own the f- the first appearance of Echo and I'm looking at the prices and I'm like hot damn, hachimachi, but I digress. But the character of Echo is going to be getting her own Disney Plus series and rumored innuendo right now is it's going to be reintroducing Wilson Fisk. And when I was a boy, well, we might be getting a lot more stuff tied in with this and seeing her character introduced though, like I said, I thought we were getting a new villain and that might be, it might be one of those you introduce the character. They have a misunderstanding. and At the end, they end up teaming up over a common enemy. And in the end, they're just like, well, golly gee, you're misunderstood. So am I. Let's be pals. Cool. So who knows what will happen? Who knows what fun and exciting adventures we will have on this. But before I wrap this episode up, yeah, I loved both episodes of this. And they did a really good job of making you have the time pass really fast. Like one episode was 49 minutes. The other was 51 credits were actually super quick compared to other Disney plus series. And that's because it really doesn't have much of a reliance on special effects like CGI or anything. So kind of makes perfect sense. Kind of why the credits are so short. I think it's maybe like four minutes of credits, but compare that to one division where it's a heavy CGI kind of show. You need a lot of reliance on that. Same with Falcon, and the winter soldier. But this is definitely looking like it's going to be the show that either is almost on par, on par, or surpassing WandaVision for myself. And I'm excited to see what we get with this, because a lot of people out there are watching this show a little jaded, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to hate this show, but, you know, who cares about Hawkeye? They do a very good job of making you care about these characters. When I went to New York Comic Con, I saw a lot of people doing Wanda and Vision cosplays. That was not the case four years ago. That was not the case three years ago. When I went to New York Comic Con 2019, I don't think I saw a single Vision, and I maybe saw two or three Wandas. Flip side, I saw saw pregnant Wanda, I saw... Wanda at the end of the series, I saw, what else? I saw Halloween costume Wanda, and I think I saw uh, 50s housewife Wanda. Just a lot of different cosplays of these characters. And it makes sense, because you want to have these characters be very identifiable. We're going to see probably Ronan. We're definitely going to see Kate Bishop cosplays, and we will 100% see Hawkeye in his you know the black shirt and everything more of those because I used to see them when Hawkeye was a series the Matt Fraction run when it was running from 2012 to 2014 I would see people walking in a white t-shirt with little white bandages all over their face and arms because they fell through a plate of glass get it because that's what happened to him in the comics so they copied it It's cosplay yes but I'm very excited to see what this could bring. And and I'm not just saying this as a bias towards the source material because, you know, you can be like, oh, I love the source material, so I'm going to love the show. Bullshit. I love Preacher. Preacher is my favorite comic of all time. I hate the show. The show did a major disservice. The only good thing to come out of the show Preacher was I was able to finally afford a copy of Preacher number one. Otherwise, no, it it deviated oh so far from what I loved that I couldn't finish it. I imagine it was a great show if you're not a fan of the source material, but on the flip side, this show, it does a fine tightrope between the two. It'll acknowledge the source material and it also deviate, but it does it in a way that respects the audience's intelligence and the, the hardcore fans' intelligence and that is something that I greatly appreciate. Now, again, if you like the show, if you don't like it, that's fine. Either way, I'm excited for what this could bring for us. And I want to say it's a six-episode series. Don't quote me on that, but again, I'm stoked. I'm thinking this, this might be on par, knock on wood. You know, it's a nice thing to see right before we end up getting uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, which, oh man, either it's going to be the greatest thing for Marvel, or it's going to be the worst thing if they do not show up. And I think you know who I mean by they. But anyway, I'm going to wrap this episode up because I Thanos it and did it all by myself. But my voice is shot. As you can tell towards the end of this episode, again, I loved the first two episodes of Hawkeye, and I cannot wait to talk Hawkeye number three, episode number three, sorry, on Taking a Shot, a Hawkeye podcast on the Marvelists. So, gonna wrap this up. For the Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. He's always Eddie Wilson, Excelsior.